Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. Welcome into a special edition of the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully with some special guests today at the desk with me, Stephen Haas, coach of Dark Sky Distance out of Flagstaff. Stephen, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me here. And Jonathan Hutton, who is the senior product line director at Under Armour. How are you doing, Jonathan? Great. Thanks for having me. And all the way from Kenya, New York City Marathon champion, it's Sharon Lachetti. Sharon, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. And before we go any further, you know, Gordon's normally here. We relegated him to second desk today. He's in charge of the internet connection with Sharon as well. So if that goes down, blame the guy at the other desk, Gordon. Uh, yeah, there he is. He's working the laptop right now. Uh, Sharon, I want to start with you. Just tell me what the last uh, few weeks have been like. How has it been living with the title of New York City Marathon champion? It's been amazing. Uh, there have been a lot of celebrations here and there. And then uh, just a lot of emotions going around. Um, yeah, I've been around. I stayed in the U.S. for a week and then I flew back to Kenya. So... I've had both, you know, places that um, have been part of my um, my training and um, my achievements. So it's been it's been awesome. Gordon and I were talking about it after the race. The thing that impressed me the most was it was your first time running a marathon. You were in Central Park. You had already made the top three at that point. It looked secured. You'd finish in the top three. I think a lot of athletes in their first marathon would have settled and said, "Let me just play it safe." You went for the win. You went for it all. What was your mindset when you were going through those final miles in, in Central Park? Telling myself, you know, you've already trained and, you know, you just have to believe in yourself in this last uh, mile and just, you know, handle one kilometer uh, at, a, at a time and then, you know, just see what happens at the end. And it, it was a good, uh, a good day, I would say. <laughs> that's, that's an understatement, I think. Stephen, it was a good day for you, I'm assuming. Very good day. When, when did you know on that day that she'd have a chance of actually winning the race and not just being competitive? Because it was, it was a very good field, as New York always is. Yeah, uh, it was a great field, um, really, really well put together. Um, I started getting really excited at, at the time that um, the three women made sort of the connection back to the to the lead group. I think that was somewhere around maybe 32K or somewhere around there. Um, got, yeah, started getting super excited at that point as well as super nervous and, and sweating profusely. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was cool, though. It was really awesome. And um, yeah, once it started dwindling down even more, my uh, anxiety and nerves went up even more. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So you know, we, we followed Sharon during her college career at Kansas, 10,000-meter champion. She was on the roads for a few years. When did you see that she'd have the potential to translate to the roads? Because not every NCAA champion is going to move up in distance. Not everybody is going to be that successful. When did you know? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I would say um, when Sharon was still at Kansas and would come out to, to Flagstaff to, to train with Ed, um, I remember having conversations with, with Chris Lane about, you know, how I, I thought she had a lot of potential on the roads and and, and liked her sort of to um, to a, another Total Sports athlete that did the same thing, uh, Sally Kipiego. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, so – I, w- I thought all along um, that was going to be like kind of her her high end. I mean, we talked about it even early on when when Sharon joined the group was you know a marathon down the road. But uh, uh, I remember the first couple of years she was pretty scared of the marathon. But uh, <laughs> now I'd say uh, it worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, Sharon, tell me about the first conversations you had when you thought about moving up in distance. What were those like? Well, I was like, you know, maybe we should try it. It, it did, like, after doing a couple of halves, I was like, well, we might maybe just do a marathon. But then we, we thought it might not be this year. It might be next year. And then, um, yeah, I I just, after, I think after my sec- my third half, I was like, you know, Hans, I think we should maybe try something in the fall or maybe um, late fall and maybe get into a marathon and just see where we'll end up so it was it was a process it, it didn't go we didn't get there right away you know <laughs> it was uh moving up in mileage and, and adding some volume to the training and um yeah it, it took a couple years to get there but uh yeah i definitely felt like we were ready after i really felt like we were ready after new york half mm-hmm. um you know the women that ran new york half this year with sharon are, 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 are very 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 world-class athletes um i think they've run 65 minutes 66 mm-hmm. minutes and you know, Sharon was right up there with them in the race, and and I thought that was a, a big indicator that she was at a higher level at that point and and could go and, and compete at a world marathon major. Yeah, Sharon, I mentioned, is that what gave you the most confidence, the New York City half, or was there was there a workout along the line? Because you look at the personal best of the women you were competing against, a lot of them had run several minutes quicker over the half. A lot of them had marathon experience. What race or what workout gave you the most confidence? Oh, I think we might have lost Sharon there. Gordon's on it. I'm, I'm working on Gordon's on it. We'll go to Jonathan now. We'll go to Jonathan. I'm working on the internet. Uh, it's 2022. We can't talk about road racing. Oh, hold on. We got her again. Let's try it. Gordon, good job. You worked fast there, man. That's impressive. Impressive. Hey, impressive. Hey, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Wait, do we have her? Oh, nope. I'm back. Back, okay, to, back to it. Um, so I was saying. All right. Go ahead, Sharon. My apologies. No, I was saying um, we had we had New York half, and then uh, two weeks after, was it three? Yeah, they had, we had another half in Hawaii, and it was like back to back halves of like sixty eight, and I was and and we were like, okay, you know that that might be like another you know good thing. Um, but I think most also most of my long runs were really good because I was back early. early this year up until March and like a couple uh fat legs and temples and they're all so good and very like very uh, I don't know how, but they were they were good they were good and um yeah with that I think it was like just like a build up of like that I was like this might be a good um indication of uh me being ready to get to the next step mm-hmm. All right, let's go to you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Like I said, can't talk about road racing without talking about shoes. So sure. you're here to talk about shoes. First of all, how tested were these shoes? I think I read something afterwards that they needed to get sent to like World Athletics afterwards. I know that's kind of the common protocol and procedure now. Yeah, but of course. Yeah, what? Like how how often had these shoes been used in competition? So the the pair that Sharon ran and won in um, is a World Athletics approved prototype. So it was approved that week leading up, but Sharon had spent time in it, was comfortable in it, and that's going to be what informs the future of our Velocity Elite product line. So the first shoe, the Flow Velocity Elite, will come out in the new year. Um, so that's been proven, tested, World Athletics approved, and will be manufactured for retail in the new year. And then Sharon's been an integral part um, with, with Coach Haas and the other athletes in informing what's the future. Um, so Sharon got to got to compete in, a, 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 again, a proved prototype and then proved out on the day to be a pretty great prototype. <laughs> um, so Sharon has been very popular around our office as well over the past few weeks, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's the next step of where the brand's going, continue to invest in performance run. 
and doing it through like tip of spear product with our performance athletes. So that week it got cleared that week. Did you know ahead of time that you'd get it done in time? Like how does that process normally work? Yeah, it's um you sim- obviously got to submit the pairs to to World Athletics with a, about like a development form that has the details. They take their own measurements and such that they approve. We submit our measurements, um, and then they also have to check the athletes' pairs. Obviously, the athletes' pairs will be different sizes, and stuff will scale. Um, but it's essentially ensuring that what had Sharon ran in was the same thing we sent them. So they approved it. I think maybe a day or two prior, it was the window was tight, mm-hmm. um, but we got it in to make sure that she was able to toe the line with confidence. So now that they've put in these perimeters around stack height, how much innovation is left for, like, we saw this big jump. Is there going to be another one, do you think, or are we kind of fiddling at the margins for another few years? It's fiddling at the margins, but the margins start to become really important, even over 26 miles. Um, So now that we have these rules set in and say it's 40 millimeter stack height and Mm -hmm. the amount of carbon plates you can have, it's now finding the newer foams, the newer geometry, and the way that those things actually build a system that works together. So, yeah, we've come a long way in the past few years, as a lot of other brands have. Um, but now that there are these set rules, it's going to be what can we do within those rules that are going to unlock new things. And we can prove that through the biomechanic lens and then prove it on athletes. Mm-hmm. So my co-host Gordon over here, who's taking off his mic right now, his goal is to dunk a basketball okay. this year. We, we bandied about best shoe options for that. I thought it would be funny if he tried to do it in a shoe with ridiculous stack height. Sure. But that also would make him taller, theoretically. Can you give any expertise on what, what shoe Gordon would be best to dunk in? Uh, the Flow Velocity Elite would give you maximum stack height. <laughs> so we're going to get you closer to the rim to start. Okay. And then as long as you engage that carbon plate right, we could send you. It's, I think it's possible. We could try after. Because it's either that or I would love to have the Joel and B shoes. I'm a huge Sixers fan. Oh, yeah. And if I could just get his his signature pair. If you don't need the extra back. stack height to <laughs> Is this just a long rim? play for Gordon to try to <laughs> yeah. get shoes? Is I just want to okay. get shoes. I mean, I feel like that's the best That's the best pathway, is getting the, the, his Under Armour signature shoe. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Sharon, back to you. Um, what's next? Like, What do you want to accomplish next now that you, you hit a home run in your very first marathon? What are your goals now? Oh, I just want to keep me uh, getting stronger, uh, building up from uh, this win because I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big, big step, um, and you know I'm just gonna try and uh, work with my teammates, work with my coaches, and work with my uh, team, um, and work with UA uh, just to help me be better, um, and you know just. <sighs> A couple races coming up. I just started, so I have way, <laughs> way, way a lot to, to go, um, a long way to go. And I know I have great support, so I'm really looking forward to what the future holds. So, Your NCAA career, obviously you had some really high highs winning a title, but the NCAA is so competitive that even the best runners experience some lows. What advice would you give athletes leaving college to transition to the, the professional side of the sport, what what would you wish you have would have known a couple of years ago when you went pro that you know now? I'm just gonna tell them. I, I mean, everybody is not the same. You're not gonna get out of college right away and be big. You know, you're not going to ex- and don't so much expectation in yourself. You will get better, but just don't uh, try and rush it to get there. You know, take your time, work on yourself. Uh, do work on your training and just focus on just being you, being yourself, and getting better every 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 season. Because I mean, there's a lot more. You just cannot have all of them in one year. So, this you have give yourself a, a chance to uh, get strong and build yourself. So. In, you, in your experience, Stephen, you work with a lot of athletes coming up. Yeah, no, it's great, great advice. I mean, um, I think a lot of people get out of college and they want um, you know immediate success and. You know, when you make changes like you do from going from high school to college or going to college to professional, um, you know, those those changes sometimes take a little while to, um, you know, to develop. So um, I, I think she's exactly right in the sense that, you know, everybody has their own timeline and some people are going to come out of college right away and transition really easy professional running. And, and some people it's, it's going to be a big change, whether it's the training changes or the environment changes or whatever it may be. Um, and, and those that might just take a little bit longer. And so. 
Um, I, I would say just be confident in your setup, be confident in your in your, um, in your environment, your coaching, and um, yeah, buy all in because uh, I, I feel like the athletes who, who have come to Flagstaff and have, have joined our team that have really bought into to our group and, and the coaching and, and just the whole setup, the brand, um, those athletes have, have gone on to be really successful. The economics seems to be skewed more towards the roads, especially when you look at how few 10,000-meter races are even offered. Um, when you're advising athletes, when you're working with athletes, how, how, how much does that factor in of you going to the roads versus you trying your hand at 5 and 10 for five, you know, a year, two years, or a whole Olympic cycle before moving over? Yeah, um, I, I think for everybody, it's individual. Um, you know, our the philosophy of our group is, you know, um, we want to we want to train as a group and and help each other get better. But at the same time, everybody has their own individual goals and and you know what they what they want to accomplish within the sport. And some people want to stay with the track longer and and try to run PBs and make teams and things like that. Um, you know, some people their best route is is going to be going more towards the roads. And I let all all the athletes sort of decide that on their own. Um, certainly give them advice on, on how I feel they are. And again, I think it also is just where they are in their own, you know, individual um, training, you know, in their development. Like if Sharon wanted to go 100% to the marathon right away, right out of college, we just wouldn't have been ready. You know, mm -hmm. we weren't doing the volume. She wasn't, you know, um, the long runs weren't there. And, and yeah, it just takes time to, to kind of get there. So um, yeah, I think the number one thing is just buying into the program that you're in, the coaching and the situation and, and, you know, everybody has their own, uh, their own schedule of how they develop. Do you think the gap, I mean, do you think it's going to get more pronounced in terms of the disparities between road and, and distance track or stay the same or narrow? What do you, what do you think the future is going to hold there? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, there's certainly, um, you know, a lot more money in the road than there is on the track. And I think that's continue. It's going to continue to grow. Um, I think road racing across the world is, is getting bigger and bigger and track, unfortunately, seems to be getting smaller and smaller. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that's uh, an area that's that, that gap is going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Speaking of track, mm -hmm. back to the shoe conversation. Sure. Um, spikes. Yeah. I didn't think initially it would make as big of a difference as, as the road stuff because of the stack heights, but mm -hmm. then you saw some fast times and you saw, you know, different prototypes and stuff. What do you, but now World Athletics does have parameters around stack height. Um, mm -hmm. Where do you think that goes? Is it similar to the roads where it's, it's, a, it's small margins, but you think different shoe companies can do different things or is it, is it level? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's going to mimic what we're seeing on the roads in a lot of ways with just a different set of rules. You know, um, the stack heights are, are lower at the, the max end of what they can be on the track. And there's different rules between sprint, mid and long distance. Um, but same thing, brands are going to find ways to work within those rules, not necessarily even finding loopholes, but just playing within the parameters. And it's going to be finding new plate compounds, finding new foam compounds. And those, again, small margins, especially when we get to the track over 1500, if we're talking mm -hmm. milliseconds to a second versus um, miles over Sharon's marathon, like those are even more critical at those shorter distances. So brands will continue to innovate and drive the space, um, but it's going to, you're going to learn a lot from each other, track and road, and they're going to, you're going to see mimicking technologies. Again, it's just all within the, the rules. When this stuff first started, there was like a implication that certain companies were ahead of others and it got really boring to talk about because anytime anybody ran fast, everyone's like, well, that's just because they have Nike on or that's just because the new balance is a new prototype. I know you're biased. I know your company. You're gonna say your company's number one, but do do you think it's relatively even now to the point where we can, people can stop attributing things just to footwear and we can go back to the good old days of like it was just an athlete beating an athlete on that day. Yeah, I, I think it's a great mixture because now that the point that pretty much every brand in the space is represented at that level of product on the road and the track, you can kind of make that that what was a variable a constant. Mm -hmm. I think an interesting thing with Sharon's victory. It's the first time a brand that wasn't Nike or Adidas won a world major since 2018. Mm. So massive for our brand, massive for Sharon and Coach, but also just like where the industry is going from a competitive landscape. So yes, the product across the board can be looked at as maybe similar, and then you start to put it in athletes, and now we can get back to where the sport of running is about the sport of running. Um, but it was important for us to provide that to our athletes, to put them on that level playing field, and feel, again, confident on race day, confident on the line, and then... Go knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Sharon, uh, I'm assuming you got a good payday after New York City. Um, what did you spend it on? Or what have you spent some of it on? 
<laughs> I haven't. <laughs> None? Nothing? Uh, not yet. <laughs> I'm still waiting. So. Oh, you don't have the money yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't get a bit, yeah, gigantic check. Okay. Well, okay. When you when you do get it, what would you like to spend some of it on? I have to discuss. I don't know. I have to dig deep. I have so many things that I want to do, but I have to be very smart with how I spent it. So, um, yeah, first I have to pay taxes and then yeah, <laughs> whatever left, then I'll, <laughs> whatever that's left of that, then yes, I'll probably start thinking of getting myself something. Um, yeah, I want to have a few investment of my own. So I think that's in the future. So we'll see. All right. I have I a question that. for Sharon. Go ahead. Go. Is it Joel and Bead related? It's not Joel and Bead. Okay, go ahead. Then, but yeah. Maybe I should try to find that. Uh, have you ever met Joel and Bead? <laughs> One thing I noticed from covering, you know, collegiate running and the professional side, a lot of times there's some Kenyan-based athletes who do well in college that Kenya athletics isn't really paying attention to, and then they become stars. You look at like, you know, Michael Saruni and Emmanuel Correa in the 800 at UTEP, and all of a sudden they're representing Kenya at the international level. What has Athletics Kenya's reaction been to your rise to stardom by winning the New York City Marathon in your debut? Was there, like, what has been, you know, your governing body's reaction to this whole welcome to the big leagues moment? Well, hi. To be honest, I haven't really talked with anybody from Athletics Kenya, so uh, I can't really, I can't really say anything about it. Um, I just had like a few congratulatory messages and then that, that was it. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when you look at women's Kenyan marathoning, it's probably the deepest pool of, of one event in one country of one gender that there is across any event. What's your thoughts on yeah. trying to be one of the top three in this event, which is arguably one of the deepest? Like, that's an ultimate crazy challenge you're going to have to go up against, right? When you're going up against the world record holder and, you know, world champions uh, and other major marathon champions. How do you see yourself fitting into that field in the next four years in this next Olympic cycle? I think it will be great to be, uh, you know, among them, but I just want to focus on myself now. I just want my training to get me there. Um, so, I'm just going to continue working harder, continue trying to, you know, um, get better, win races, and, you know, uh, hopefully I'll be there and I can I can get to compete with them or be even in a team with them. I know it's hard, but <laughs> I just want it to be my hard work that gets me to that point. So, is there uh, already a idea or plan against coaches here for your next, you know, marathon or when you're gonna? You know, go for round two. They always say the hardest marathon is the next one, right? Or I don't. I made up that. That's not <laughs> <what>? <laughs> the toughest mile, maybe. Toughest <laughs> mile is the next mile. Yeah. There's something next. Stay, something stay next. tuned. We're 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 trying to get it planned out right now, actually. Yep. Yeah. What we'll what goes into soon. the thought process of planning that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my thought process is just what the what the best for her long term is going to be, um, and, and not looking necessarily right away but um down the line you know and um we've talked about you know wanting to get faster over half marathon and and we think that's going to be something that helps uh helps her run a run a faster uh, marathon down the line um you know it's just uh yeah there's a lot a lot goes into it a lot of uh planning and, and just seeing how she recovered from this marathon i think she's still sore today and we're what three weeks out so uh yeah, we're, uh, yeah. you know learning learning how it goes and um yeah we're just gonna we're we're gonna have something planned out here pretty soon but um just trying to take in all the all the variables and, and figure out what the best uh strategy going forward is going to be and i mean my goal for sharon is is to be a a player at uh, at the marathon for for the next you know five six seven eight years you know yeah do you have I know you've only run one so your favorite marathon is your city <laughs> but but there is such a difference between the championship style races with no pacers with hills and challenging course and then like a course we're going to see this weekend in Valencia where the world record could potentially get smashed like, do you have an interest in going to a flat fast course just to just to see how fast you can run one of these? Yeah, in the future, yeah. That's that's the 
yeah and see how fast we can run i mean now it's just been we've done new york and i don't know what's next but i think yeah in the future definitely yeah i think that was all part of the kind of the planning too is you know after after new york half really that kind of opened our eyes to say um you know she she's done well on 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 challenging courses before and we felt like one of the best uh one of the best things was just uh, her race instincts and and sharon's race instincts has always been really good you know um sharon's very first race with us um uh, with me working with her was Carlsbad and she won her very first race and uh, you know it was a, a bit of a tactical race and you know went on to to win some more you know good races in the states she's won Falmouth before um, you know just races that have been really competitive and, mm -hmm. and you know race instincts have to kick in and you have to know when to make moves and you have to know when to challenge people and you know um, New York was a great example how you know a couple athletes fell back and then moved their way back into the pack and then just like your first question, you know, just um, how late into the race, you know, um, and her instincts kicked in where she wasn't just happy to settle for third. You know, it, it was go for the win. And um, that's really why New York was um, the, the choice to, to do in the fall, knowing that it was going to be a race like that. It was going to be it wasn't pacers. It wasn't set up to, you know, go run two sixteen. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, uh, it was going to be a race. And. Um, you know, that's, that was the first good step for the marathon. And now, you know, um, yeah, at some point running a fast one and, and trying to run, you know, a really fast time is going to be going to be in the cards. Cause I think that's, what's going to, that's what it's going to take to make some teams eventually yeah. too. Um, so yeah, again, it's all part of a process and, um, Sharon's great because yeah, she buys into this and, and trust and, um, obviously it's worked out really well so far. Gordon, you got anything else? Someone from the chat says, this is great stuff. She seems like a gamer with passion. A gamer. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great racer. And that's, uh, again, why we went with, uh, why we went to New York to start. And yeah, worked out well. Before we go, I got one non-Sharon question for you. Okay. I think you know what I'm going to ask you. No clue. Okay. <laughs> I saw you quoted in the Hassan. We're going to talk about Hassan after. Uh, so yeah. I just, I just wanted to okay. give you a chance to give your perspective on that. Yeah. Uh, horrible uh unfortunate situation for him um you know i i have no doubt that there there was absolutely uh his career should not be tainted with this um and yeah uh you know he he'd been retired for for a long time before uh before testing and uh, unfortunately you know taking that pre-workout stuff that you know you never know what's in it um yeah really unfortunate situation for him um but uh yeah, I, I know without a doubt that he was not doing anything during his during his career. What's the process like for like to officially become retired? Because yeah. Gordon and I, yeah. we, we joke, joke we joke about it kind of sometimes. They're just like, hey, is this athlete? We haven't seen them in a while, and then they'll like put out a retirement post on Instagram like, yeah. two years after they ran. What, what's like the official process that's required mm -hmm. to retire? Because you have athletes competing for a bunch of different countries and yeah. sponsorships and all that stuff. Like, yeah, what's so that he process? he was um, you know he made a decision uh, right after Prefontaine that was in May. Um, that he was going to step away from the sport. He was going to retire um, because he was on a team and because, you know, the, the team meets and practices and, and whatnot. Um, he had sort of decided he was going to still, you know, be around and, and be part of the team, um, which was, you know, closing down. And that was going to be an, at least until USA's or mm -hmm. to the U.S. championships. Um, and then, um, yeah, at that point, you know, he should have filed his paperwork with USATF. Um, I got so many people were tweeting at me last night about why didn't you file his, I can't file his paperwork. No, he's the only person mm. who can file the paperwork for, for retirement. Um, you know, we, we did tell him he needed to do it, but at the same time, um, you know, once you do that, then you're out of the testing pool, but you, that's it. You're retired at that yeah, point, yeah. you know, and, and you file your paperwork with USATF who then sends it to world athletics. Um, so, you know, uh, I think the, the delay there was just, his contract was going until December 31st uh, of this year. You know, he, he still had teammates running and, and still had people competing um, that he was around. And, and so I think the immediate thought was put it off until later in the summer. Um, and then, yeah, he ended up just putting it off too, too long, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, an unfortunate situation that, you know, he obviously should have done it before he did. Um, and, yeah, I – 
But at the same time, I, there's so many people, so many runners who reached out to me yesterday who know Hassan, who know that he wasn't doing anything, you know, uh, wasn't doing anything bad before this or, you know, yeah, this uh, sucks for him because he had such a good career and accomplished so much mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharon, before we let you go, uh, more memories on, on New York City. What was the, what was the celebration like? Um, did it live up to your expectations? Did you get to see anybody that like was, was really special to you? Did you get to meet anybody that, that was significant to you? Yeah, it was um, after I crossed the finish line, I saw Haas and then <laughs> um, <laughs> I just ran to him and then, yeah, it was just so much like that. Uh, and then after that, I met with Ed and then I was uh, all, all the teammates and uh, all the crew from uh, just around all my like friends that I've met here and there and then just the people on the course, everybody was just so excited for me. And, you know, it, it just was a great day. I met, I met way a lot of uh, new people, new friends. And yeah, it, it was just an awesome day. Um, and just a bunch of people uh, that I met that day. Um, and even I'm still meeting new people now. So <laughs> <laughs> It was cool. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell a little bit a story here. So the day after, obviously, you have to stay, you do a media event. Um, some of the, the sports marketing people from Under Armour stayed as well. Um, we did an interview for um, a little uh, docu-series that UA put out uh, on Sharon that they had started before the race and, and got to do after the race. And um, the Under Armour sports marketing team took us to a very nice dinner that night, um, which was really cool. And Hannah, the, the Under Armour sports marketing rep, actually was messaging me last night or night before last that she was doing her uh, – her um, invoices or, or, or budgeting for um, or turning in her receipts from from that yeah. you know that night when we went out and one of the things that uh, they did for her was she had a, a gold plated chocolate cake it was like <laughs> a gold flake chocolate cake uh, that was really cool but obviously very expensive as well uh, so UA had to file that one in, in their invoices the other night but uh, wow. yeah it was really cool uh, we had a really good dinner and, and got to celebrate and. Um, yeah, something you, you don't get to do every day, but we, we definitely enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I did see you, you you got a lot of camera time. I, I, I do I well I, remember I honestly she, haven't even got to see it. So I, she I she crosses the line when, when Sharon said that it reminded yeah. me that I think you were the the first person that was that was right yeah. there. Yeah. I was I was super excited, but I, yeah, people have told me I was on, on but I haven't seen it. I actually um we were just looking at like YouTube trying to watch the, the replay of the race the other night and I can't find it. So oh. You're there. Yeah, I gotta find it. <laughs> I want to watch it. It's probably better you weren't self-conscious. Yeah, you yeah. Know, maybe you you would have held back because you, you were all in. So. Yeah, I definitely was pretty excited. <laughs> I knew that much. Well, well, congrats to all you guys. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you, New York City Marathon uh, champion Sharon. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, uh, Stephen. We'll let you guys uh, get out of here, but we appreciate you guys spending some time with us on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. I right, want to kick it over to Gordon. I'm gonna read some comments. Got the comments on YouTube. And then right. we'll talk about the other news of the day. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to get these guys some snacks. Some gold-plated <laughs> chips because that's the status we're dealing with. Yeah. First comment was reaction to the Max Siegel news. Uh, USATF CEO needs a secretary. He's available. Has Wait, I'm available and have runner's legs along with a whopping 22 words a minute. 150K a year sounds fair. So, I mean, if he has the extra money, he probably could afford a $150,000 secretary. Um, someone else here, Chris, Chris Floyd said shoe companies should come up with a no rules shoe and just try to run an insane marathon. (laughs) What else you have? Anthony rock world athletics council press conference occurring at this very same time. XC is being looked at for Los Angeles, 2028 Paris said no, that it was too costly cross country, 2028. At the Olympics? That would be cool. Let's see that happen. Um, guys, it's just me now. Kevin is gone. So now it's just a podcast with me and no Kevin. All right. So well, let's talk about yeah, let's talk about aliens. Let's talk about what I really think about the Bowerman Award. Uh, you guys already know about that. But anyway, we appreciate you guys uh, listening to the podcast. We appreciate all you fans. 
We're going to react to the Seagull news with his $3.8 million salary. I have a certain take. Kevin has a take. We disagree, which is good. Um, talk a little more about the Hassan Mead news uh, getting suspended, but is after already retiring. We'll talk about what that means. Just heard what his coach had to say about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the BU 5K, which is live on Flow Track on Saturday. Break down that race. Talk a little bit about Valencia Marathon. Uh, that's also another good race. So much going on. But we, repre- we appreciate you guys joining in on the podcast. This interview with Sharon Lochetti, all the way out from Kenya, was put together last minute. We were worried about the internet connection. It was not good before we went live. There was a lot of freezing, but I feel like we got through it. I was on pins and needles. We got through it. Um, what other people are saying in the comments? Uh, Airbus Baby said, Ran a 1748 at the Turkey Trot last weekend. Blew away PB based on wearing Vaporfly next percents. Hey, a PB is a PB. Doesn't matter if you're wearing flip-flops or moon shoes. A win's a win. Um, What else are people saying? Oh, Kevin's here. Can I I join you over there? You want to join me at the big desk? I'm at the kids' table right now, but I feel like I want to be at the big boys' table. See, there's Kevin. All right, I'm going to go join Kevin. Kevin, go. you sit on that side. You sit on the other side. Nah, man. Sorry, you lost it. I am. I am I'm going to move this chair out the way. Gordon is going to come over here. We'll go down to two mics. By the way, awesome producing by Caleb today. Yes. An excellent job. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out to Caleb, uh, who's juggling all this and making it all work. We appreciate you. We so, also miss Cole. Yeah, Cole, Cole to be back. Cole to be back. Um, what have you talked about so far? I've talked about nothing. I okay. just killed Sounds time. Good. It was so cold outside, I put on the sweatshirt. I'm not taking it off. Really? I just was showing those guys where they where the, where the parked, and then it's too cold. So, I mean, do you think we should – let's just pick up with the Hassan story since we talked about it. Let's get this thing out the way. Are you using this one? No, no I'm using this one. Right. Yellow and blue are our mics, just so <laughs> our producer knows. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, so the Hassan Mead story broke yesterday. You saw it, uh, made an announcement, said he had tested positive for a banned substance and then had retired. Um, obviously, then people such as Steven, his manager, Hassan gave an interview to John over at Let's Run saying, well, he had been, he had been retired previous. Like he announced that. Pre was his last race, essentially, but then continued going through USA's. Um, so a little bit of a confusing situation there. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So first of all, I always need you, Kevin, to help me out here. Um, sure, sure. What was the substance he was banned for? Oh, well, that's I'm going to need to get a dictionary out here to uh, to read it. Um, let's see. Osterine and LGD4033. So he says it was in what a... What is that? He says it was in a... <laughs> Do you know what that is? Um, I mean, I, we, could, we could Google it. Anabolic agents. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how much detail would you, would you like? I'm not a... And this just shows up in drinks? Well, so he says it, it came up in a, in a drink that he got at a, at a gym, right? He was done with running and yeah. he like, ha- had a drink and then it was... In, in that drink. Okay. Presumably, I'm thinking he's he's saying, listen, if I was still competing, if I was still pursuing a Glory. running career, yeah, I would be checking what I was drinking. I, he also, you know, would not be probably spending a ton of time just in the gym. And, yeah. he, and he wouldn't have had it, but he's done. He's moved on. I mean, we've seen this situation a couple times before, although I think it was for more like refusing to take tests than actually uh, taking a test and failing it with athletes who were retired, like Chris Lukezik famously, Sean Crawford. I remember he's like, hey, I've been retired and like I keep getting these like whereabouts failures and I'm done. Steven, who we just had on, kind of outlined the, the process and like what you need to do to remove yourself from the testing pool. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where because of the history of the sport, there's going to be people who are going to be obviously very cynical about it and say, well, he, he retired like right after he had a positive test. But then you go back and look at his season and you and you talk to people who were in communication with him that his 
season, his career was winding down and basically over. And then you got to ask yourself, well, if he's retired, like actually retired, like does a positive test matter, right? Yeah. So that's where we are. Also, if he's retired and they come to his door saying, hey, we need to test you, wouldn't that be the moment and be like, I'm retired, guys? But they don't, the testers don't care. So then your choices are don't test and then you get a violation because you refuse the test, right? Or take the test and then live with the results, whatever they are. Perhaps he didn't know what he had ingested, right? Yeah, he probably thought like, what are the odds at the drink I had? I mean, I guess you, you could go to another level here and say, all right, if that's the case, then find the drink from the lab and then test it to see if that's the substance. But I don't even think that's really the, – the issue is more like was he still running? Like, comp- like did he have designs on continuing to run yeah. uh, professionally? And, and if he didn't, then how the substance got in his system I think is less relevant. I mean I, I agree with Stephen in terms of – you know. It, it is a shame that this is how it ends because now it's like associated with him. And he said in John's article, like, because now, because he was in Oregon Track Club, right? Because he trained with these people, he's worried about the impact that it's going to have on others yeah. in his in his network. Um, and again, I know people are going to say you're gullible. You shouldn't, you know, shouldn't shouldn't believe every single story that yeah. that athletes tell you. But yeah, you just look at his results over the past year, and you talk to people who are talking to him. Like his career was was over yeah to be honest having an opinion on this does no value <laughs> like who cares like that's whether, a great like, podcast I, I, don't, take. I don't know it's just like at the end of the day he's not running anymore mm-hmm. like do we really think a positive test from 2022 affected the 2017 usa championships where he won the 10k right like, right. do we think that? Well, I think if, again, if you're going to go down that cynical route, you say, well, if they tested this time, then there's there they was just probably always a, got away with it. That, before that, that was a pattern, right? That's that's the way you. But think. there's no time machines in track and field. So we can't change anything. So if we can't change anything, there's no use spending mental energy debating whether or not. Like, yeah, something is tainted or the OTC is tainted or whatever, like. At the end of the day, we just got to live forward, man. You guys move forward. Is that your philosophy on everything with every topic now? Is this going to be, you know, let's just not have an opinion. Let's just let's just keep moving forward. Yeah, because what are we doing? We should be focusing on the BU 5K, the Valencia Marathon. We should be focusing on Sharon Lochetti having an amazing yeah. NYC Marathon. No, I mean, I'm being facetious here. But at the end of the day, it is kind of like weird to get like dive deep into like did he or didn't he with a retired athlete who was past his prime – yeah. Like, okay. Would it have made a difference if a month ago he puts a post on social media that says, I'm retired. Thanks to everybody who's in the sport, but then forgot that he or didn't know that he had to officially remove his name. And then he yeah. has a te- like, would that have made a difference? Yeah. I think the issue is the whole, like you, what he said, when athletes retire in our sport, it's, it's weird. They don't, they, it's like no one ever really retires until like, they wait till the last, very last moment to say yeah. they retired. Like, we know you're retired because you haven't run in two years, but mm. you just want to pretend you're not. And yeah. Like, I think some. I think it is a little bit for some athletes. Like, retirement is failure because typically you retire when you stop being good, as opposed to reti- No one ever retires on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Allison Felix is like the last person to like sure. retire on top. Sure. And I think because no one is retiring on top. They don't want to. They don't want to like announce. Oh, by the way, I've sucked the past two years, because that's what basically announcing well, retirement. And is. also, I think you're more hesitant to say it and then remove yourself for the pool in you case want, you want to come back. Yeah. Again, it seems pretty clear that wasn't this case yeah. with, with him based on the conversations that we've heard. But all right, next topic. Yeah, but what do you think? What's your what's your? You just talked. You, you looked at Stephen Haas in the eye. You've seen the the article that John wrote for Let's Run on Hassan's quotes. You see teammates defending him. Yeah. What What's your overall? I mean, with this stuff, I'm usually Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is the correct one. And uh, to me, that many people knowing that he was done means that he was retired. And that's what I think too. But but see, I don't I don't want to think get, it was. I don't want to get into the game of like post retirement. Well, yeah, I don't want to get into the game of like, well, this substance could have been in this and this substance gets in that. I think the more important thing is, was he retired? 
or not? Did he have an intention of coming back or did he not? And it sounds like he didn't. And I think that's the most important thing. One thing, though, let's just be honest out here, though. Like, out here. Out here. Where are we? I believe the story. It mm-hmm. makes sense. I believe the coach. I believe his teammates. I believe Hassan. But if you replace Hassan Mead with a different person, people will react differently. Oh, 100%. Like if Galen Rupp, if this exact same yeah. story happens when Galen yeah. Rupp is yeah. 38 yeah. and yeah. if his career, and of Mo Farah career, or end of other dominant, controversial character. Yeah, 100%. Everyone's going to, we pick and choose our. It's not devoid of context. Yeah. Yeah. But right. I believe it. Yeah. For the record. And again, it's like you can say, oh, you're being naive. And okay, that's that's fine. Um, but, and there's always going to be a path to put together or arrange the facts in a way that make it so like there's this big, huge, sinister plot going on. And I just, in this one, if you if I had to pick, and let's be clear, I would never like wager any money on any of this stuff because I don't know, right? Like we don't know if anybody's clean. That's just, that's what we've learned in yeah. the sport. But, I mean, that many, you know, that much information lining up combined with, like, the pattern of his performances, it just, it seemed like he was... Retired. He was done. Yeah. And honestly, when I when I saw the release, I thought, isn't he retired? Yeah. That's the first thing that I thought was, I thought this guy left. All right, checking in the comments. Um, Gordon is at the gamer station. Yeah. yeah should the... we use that more? Maybe. Yeah. You still want to sit near me? Do I BL? No, it's because we couldn't fit four people on the desk. And it's a, someone said that it looked different today. Yeah. We, yeah. we have moved stuff around because, you know, guests and things like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, fitness sports says, Gordon, do you dunk in a pair of Adidas Prime X trainers? Those are the Adidas shoes that are taller than the stack height limit for marathon racing. Maybe I should do those. With a 50 millimeter Do you stack think I could get the, I'm trying to, I, we did, I should get the guy's number and see if you can send me a pair of beads. Oh. Because they're an Under Armour show. Yeah. No, I got – midway through what you were saying, I was like, is Embiid Under Armour? And then I had to think back. Yeah. That, yeah. Should you get his number and ask him for – no, that's not – you should not do that. Not hey. professional. I enjoy doing the podcast. Hook me up with a pair yeah. of $150 shoes. Well, you want to get your dunk attempt sponsored? Is that what you're saying? That will be fun. Yeah. Well, then – but you can't then use the Adidas Prime X trainers. No, no. Maybe I should just get Jordans. Uh, Let's simplify it. David. Shout, shout out to David, by the way, who uh, made good for the chat. On the bet with Colt said, "Damn, Colt retired off of five dollars." No, Colt will be back. Colt will be back. Friday. Friday. Yeah, this is a this is a planned absence for Colt. He will be back. That's we're saying now, but really, there's an actual bigger story yeah. that we're making up to cover um, for it. So we got the, there's a cross country race going on in Austin on Thursday, which we can talk about on Friday. There's the Valencia Marathon, which maybe we can talk about that on Friday. As Let's well, talk too. about that on Friday. So do you want to talk about? I think we have time for one more story. Let's talk about Max. Maybe we can talk about two. Let's talk about Max Siegel. Okay. Now, remember, before you get into this topic, remember what you said about the last story. Does anything matter? Let's look forward. Wait, what was it? What was your call? Uh, Runner's World story. Headline, USATF CEO uh, Siegel made $3.8 million in 2021. Max Siegel's salary has been a topic of a lot of conversation in the runner's world for several years now. Um, this report looks at the uh, tax filing from USATF because they are a non-profit and it says their reported revenue for their organization 33.6 million meaning um his pay was 11 percent of their revenue um also showed just a big jump in his salary from one year to the next gordon yeah this was not met well by a lot of runners a lot of athletes we don't have a poll of all of them. The USATF annual meeting is this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see. And I don't want to say, oh, every athlete feels this way just because social media sometimes is not a accurate gauge of sentiment because not everybody's online. Not everybody's posting their thoughts. Um, but what do you think this is a big deal, a, a little deal, a medium deal? How do you see this issue? I think it is a waste of our time deal. Okay. So I think that because you're looking forward, I'm looking forward. No, I'll just say this. Okay. Yes. Is Max Siegel worth three point eight million dollars for a company that only makes a little bit of thirty million dollars in revenue? Maybe, probably not. Could we argue semantics that like he should be paid less? Sure. But guess what? That's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. Like 
The guy's going to try to make as much money as he can. That's what people do. They try to make money. And you shouldn't be like, how dare this guy not be more charitable? He should take 80% of his salary and give it away to all the athletes. So, well, guess what? You're not going to do that. No one else is going to do that. If, there, if, if someone says, here's $3.8 million, mm-hmm. are you going to be like, you know what? Just give me, just give me 50K. Give the rest to the athletes. Well, no one is going to do that. You are touching on the core issue here, right? He's a head of an organization that a lot of people are members of, right? Sure. And yeah. those those members, when they are at their peak, right, the highest achievement of their career, they are in as they're competing for USATF. When you go to Olympics, when you go to World Championships, yes, there's other meets and competitions that are really important where you're wearing a different jersey, but. How you are most identified in this sport is how you perform at the Olympics and World Championships. And for so many athletes to not make that much money and then to have Siegel. And, like, this is – again, this isn't the first time the salary thing is coming up. I'm reading from the article on Runner's World. In 2020, Siegel uh, earned $1.33 million, meaning his pay nearly tripled uh, in a single year. So he went from one point three. Now we're all the way up to 3.8. Now some of it's deferred compensation and all this stuff, and we can get into the weeds with it. But I just think – from an optics perspective, it doesn't look good. And then you look at like Max Siegel's tenure, what's it been marked by? He locked in the Nike deal, <coughs> right? From now until we're both 95 years yep. old, basically. Yep. Nike has that has that deal on lock. But I think a lot of people say, well, what else, right? What's the different, what is he doing that's worth 3.8 million versus 1.5? And people have already brought up the comparisons of other heads of sports organizations, you know, be it the NBA where what Adam Silver makes about $10 million or USA Swimming where the head of USA Swimming last I checked made under a million. So you can pull up those other comparisons too. So I don't, I don't blame the athletes for being upset. Now, practically speaking, what would happen if his salary was cut in half? Like, would it be a game changer for the sport as a whole? Absolutely not. No, but people don't think about it as a whole. When you, when you're an employee and you have a boss that makes a ton of money and you're like, man, that boss doesn't deserve all that money. You don't think about all the other people who would benefit, right, if the boss had a smaller salary. You're thinking about, oh, man, what would I do with that money? Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the human nature element of this, and I think that's why people are so mad. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I, th- I personally think it's loser energy to care about other people's salaries. That's just my opinion. Because at the end of the day, you can't control Why did you ask me how much I made yesterday then? That's not true. I I'm going to pull up the text. When Cole gets back, we'll pull up the text. <laughs> I did not ask you that question. Uh, but, like, I mean, I get, again, I get it. Like, I think Adam Silver does a better job with his $10 million salary than Max Siegel does with his $3.8 Or there are CEOs out there who do a better job with less and do more with less. But, like, I'm not going to blame the guy for trying to make as much money as possible. Like, kind of re- got to respect his game. In a way, like the guy's found a way to get $3.8 million. If you were him, you would do that. And I get it. Everyone's like, but Gordon, the sport, we should care about the sport. We should care about all the diehard athletes who work countless hours and quit their day jobs and go all in to to chase their dreams. Yes, but the world is not a charity. The world does not work that way. The world has people who come into our lives who their goal is is just to monetize as much as possible for themselves. And you just have to accept that that's reality. And so in order to to deal with that reality, there are going to be people like Max Siegel who are going to make more money than you think they should. Mm-hmm. You know how you deal with that? You just focus on yourself and focus on life that you actually can control. And I yeah. think every year circling the same victim tweets, how dare you make so much money does nothing for you. Okay, That's great. We're gonna, a year from now, we're going to say, Max Siegel still makes too much money. We're going to do that every year for the next 10 years. And then where are we going to be? We're going to be in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just like focus on other things? I don't know. I just – the whole idea of like complaining about rich people being rich, it just bothers me. I don't All know. in the game says problem is making that much pay based on relatively small revenue by the organization. Yeah. I do think he is – he is – his. Her, her, her What's percentage, that, 11%? Like, yeah, that's not like – if this was true, Adam Silver should be making like $100 million. Right, right, But right. he doesn't, yeah. right? Yeah. I get that you could argue about this, but like 
What do we? Why, you're, what, what's you're, the point of debating that? The so guy's you're, gonna, are, are you saying you're saying they have an argument, but it's ultimately mute, fruitless? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saying okay. you're screaming into a void. Yeah. But why waste your vocal cords? Because we all would. I think it's human nature. You you pursue. I want to save my vocal cords because I gotta you, go sing in a you, choir. You pursue for Christmas. You Carol. pursue lost causes all the time, right? Like that's just that, and I think we all do. It doesn't mean they're not gonna. Just because there's no clear solution to it doesn't mean people aren't gonna get upset about it. Is my is my point? I'm interested to see what happens at the meeting. I want to know what happens at the meeting because the timing of this is is very convenient for people who are going to, you know, voice their displeasure at the meeting um, to see what happens. I think the problem, though, is, yeah, what would be the next step? What does it turn into? Okay, so his salary is half or his salary is a third. What does that change? Again, but I think it just it just still comes back to optics, right? It comes back to this person's making $40,000, and they are putting on a Team USA jersey, and this person's making almost $4 million. Now, if that person's making $40,000 in a sport where the head of it is like doing well, but not millionaire level, then I think it makes it. But what's a bit the different. number? Yeah, well, that's exactly. What's There's, the rule? Right. Is right. he allowed to make a million dollars? No, that's too much. Okay. Yeah. Should you make 300000 I don't know, man. That's like the top 1%. Okay. Needs to make 100 k Okay. What about one? 125 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like what's yeah. the number yeah we all want to pretend like there's this like so just justice number so here's a here's a here's just like here's a way to look at it though or maybe Go, just ignore the number and just live life but hold on going back to the going back to the comment maybe it's crap in my leg hold on maybe oh oh gordon cramping up mid pod you need a banana okay i'm back i'm back <laughs> sorry um i ruined the clip Maybe no, you made the clip better. Going back to the comment about the small revenue, right? Yeah. Th- maybe that's the issue. Maybe we're fine. There's the athletes say fine, pay this person this much money. That's great. But then we want to see something in return, right? So maybe you got to come at it from that perspective of we don't want to see this person make less money. We want to see that person do enough to justify. That salary, basically, is what they're saying. Different side of the coin there. I mean, I think it all comes down to the athletes should not look at USATF as their as the as the commissioner as the commissioner. Right, right. It's not. Yeah, yeah. But I don't blame them for doing it, especially if you're an athlete who doesn't have a huge shoe deal, and you're you're making a bunch of teams. Right. Maybe you get some of the grants from USATF. Maybe you do some stuff with USATF. I don't blame them for that being their main attachment to track and field. That's the team that they're on. Yeah. Again, it's not, but it's, you're right. It's not the same. It's not like being on an NFL team or an NBA team. It's not. It's a not literal nonprofit. You know, so. like, hold on. Phil Knight's net worth is forty one point three billion dollars. Yeah. Do you think the Nike athlete who's getting fifty k plus travel? Yeah. Is like. Hey, Phil Knight, you have $41.3 billion. Maybe you should give more money to me because I wear a Nike swoosh. Yeah. No, right? I just think that like – Well, everybody – if you're thinking of him as the boss, everybody thinks they should make more money and their boss should make less. Yeah. Right? Find me a person in America or anywhere throughout the world. It's like, yeah, I like my boss making more than me. Yeah. yeah no, 10X? 50X? 100X? Yeah. yeah, that's great. Like everybody – like I'm saying, this is a totally – normal reaction to have the difference is it's not a typical boss employee relationship that yeah. we're dealing with here it's it's much more it's much more complicated and i just from the usatf side i get what you're saying you don't blame anybody for going after the money but like they have to know what the reaction is going to be when they have these sorts of salaries they have to know yeah but they also have to know that there's nothing people can do about it well, I mean, it's got to be approved theoretically, right? So people, there could be enough pressure put on the board to change it. Yeah. Right. I mean, so th- there is something. It's not just written in stone that this person is going to make this much money. But to your other point, changing it, what is it going to? Is it going to improve your situation? Are they going to take that money and then throw it back in? Again, I mean, 
But then if you're like, all right, he's going to take a $100,000 pay cut or a $500,000 pay cut and then take that $500,000 and divide it up between 20 athletes, they'd be like, sweet. Yeah, let's let's do that. But there's not 20 athletes. But there's like um, thousands of athletes. Right, right. Yeah. The problem is going to get a $20 Venmo. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. We got 20 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, I've, I mean, I've, this exact story has come out literally every year. Max Siegel makes too much money because athletes aren't paid well. But like, we have to recognize we are in a sport that is not the NBA. It's not the NFL. Yeah. It's not even the NHL. Like, it doesn't, the way the revenue works, it's not like that. So, I don't know. I just, you're, you're smiling. You read a comment? Yeah. So, Colts in the comments. Colts in the comments. Colts in the comments. As a socialist, I don't know what we're talking about, but I think the rich guy is probably wrong. <laughs> great. Great comment from I Colt. Mean, Coming in from, from afar. Uh, Patrick says, truly have to disagree with Gordon. Man is not supporting the sport. Uh, but, David says, nothing will happen if the meeting is normal. And by nothing, I mean actual changes. He says, the head of pickleball deserves the money. Yeah. I mean, pickleball is increasing in size and scope. Like We're all going to be doing pickleball podcasts here in five or yeah, ten years. Yeah, I think you can say he's not worth that. That's fair. That's honest. I, I don't think he's worth $3.8 million. But I don't think him having $3.8 million... Changing it is going to solve anything. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, and I also think complaining about it is weak because complaining about someone else's, he's playing a game. He's living a life. The guy was born wherever he was born. He lived a life. He went to school. <laughs> he went to college. He got, did, lived his 20s. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to try to make money. And he's like, man, I found this position at this thing called USATF. Colt is They're not giving gonna, me Colt $3. Is not $3.8 million. Like <laughs> if you were him, you would be like, screw you guys. I'm going to get my bag when I can. Like, right. But if that's – I don't think that's what he would actually say. No, but everyone's – we're all human. Right. But I'm saying that's what people would object to. Hey, why do you have that perspective everyone, on it? No one has ever been like once – no one has ever volunteered their pay – volunteered a pay cut. Warren Buffett? That was a fake pay cut. He like gives – he only gives his kids like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. It's crazy. It was a I don't want to pay taxes pay cut. Wild. Wild. Whoa. Gordon. <laughs> IRS over here. Well, I have, yeah, all the all the billionaires have one dollar salaries because <laughs> then they live off of their their stocks. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Colt's just roasting you now in the comments. Yeah, no, it's fine. This is great. I, I mean, I love Colt as a producer, but Colt as a commentator. We give him five dollars. Might, all of a sudden, be, might he's, be better. He buys a, a YouTube uh, <laughs> subscription and he, he just goes at us. He's not interested in the sport at all, but he's interested in getting on here and busting your ass. I love it. I mean, again. I don't think he's worth 3.8, so I agree with the, the community there. agree with the athletes there because it's not a good percentage compared to what Adam Silver and yeah, yeah. all the other people do. But I do think complaining about it does nothing. It does not get to change. Well, I mean, but nothing changes until it does. Put that on a shirt. Maybe, and we'll see. I mean, David's saying nothing ever happens in but these meetings. But what's the solution? We need our CEO of USATF to make $100,000. It's not. That's a solution. It's again. It's it's not a American Truck and Field isn't in trouble because they're short four million dollars, right? The Correct. problems are much bigger, much yeah. deeper, exactly. much wider. But I think people would say it's symptomatic of a larger problem, right? And changing <coughs> changing that, I think would it would impact people in the short term enough and then you have to work on how you're actually going to fix it in the long term but I see when, to, to do the company analogy and stuff like you can be in a meeting right and talking about a vision of a company 20 30 40 years down the line right you sat in meetings like that i'm sure in your life not in, at disney because they didn't call you back but like you're probably thinking oh that's great but like what about my christmas bonus right what about this year right what about this raise like the athletes now are thinking about now, and I don't blame them at all because I would be thinking about now too because yeah. they have families and they have rent to pay and mortgages and stuff like that. So some of them, sure, are like, what's the future of our sport? Can it be sustainable? I think there's another portion who are just like, man, how much different would my life be if I could just have an extra like 20K a year or 15K a year? That would be awesome. And that would make it easier for me. And, and dunking on Max Siegel isn't going to solve that problem. But I think they see that as oh, that's a, a point of frustration. 
right? Why is this person, right, to go back to the boss now? Why is the boss making so much more than all of you us? You know why? Because he's the boss. Because he's the boss. Yeah. Become the boss, and then you'll make as much money as him. It's like complaining about, like, you know, just rich people existing. I mean, Colt's definitely very angry about my my <laughs> political takes here. But it's just like, at the end of the day, rich people are going to be rich. If you want to be a rich person, just become a rich person. <laughs> that's a bad take. Well, that's what you I'm know, saying. It's a like, non, it's a nonprofit. Yeah. Right. I've worked in nonprofits before. Not every, you know, people make good money in nonprofits. Yeah. But I'm not saying he needs to give it all away. I'm just saying, if you are the, the, shot putter, right, or the fifth best 400 meter hurdler, and you want to stay in the sport, right, and you're having to make choices about how you live, and then you see this headline, it's got to be demoralizing to you. And frustrating. Because, again, everybody sees it through yes, their – Yes, it's demoralizing and frustrating. But it also – They see it through their if, lens. When you let it demoralize you, it, it's worth – like, you know, just tune out negative thoughts. That's great. But you can't eat <laughs> the thoughts. Like think about that. Like think about social media. Like you're constantly seeing like negative stuff, not just about your sport or whatever, but like – Political stuff, <laughs> cultural stuff, and it's just all it is is pulling you away from the things you actually should be working on. You're so far from the point. <laughs> what is that? Social media. Yeah, we get distracted. Where our brains can only focus on certain things. I think and we let our time to spend emotional energy on things that we know we can't change, which is Max Eagle's salary. No, just, but but I but I think part of them is thinking that they could change it. That's We're letting Max live rent free in our head. Not only is he making three point eight million dollars, he's living rent free in <laughs> our heads. Pay, you're paying rent to him. He's, we're paying rent. All right. I, I feel like that's not. We gotta go. Good. We gotta go. Caleb's been great. He produced for a whole hour and like thirty five minutes. Uh, Patrick, you know we should just. Patrick go. says Gordon is clearly overpaid. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Anthony says Gordon, that Phil Knight analogy is ridiculous. Uh, Colt says, "LOL, become the boss." <laughs> Uh, no, well, <laughs> Colt also said the marketplace of ideas fixes. And this is becoming a political podcast. No, I'm just saying, you know, like, yeah, Max makes too much money. Sure. All right, let's let's move on to to Thursday. Okay, that's what we do. Easy for you to say. Music's coming on. Yeah, we gotta go. Like thanks, and subscribe. Thanks, Caleb, for producing. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on. Friday. Thanks, everyone.